0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. How may we leave a godly legacy for others to follow? How may you and I leave a legacy, a godly legacy, for others to follow? And this is from Acts chapter 20. And I want you to really think about this because I know it's on your heart and your mind that you want to finish well, that you want to come before the Lord and hear him say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, here are the important things that we need to focus on to leave a godly legacy. And I'm going to list them first, and then we're going to go through and see how they're right there in Acts chapter 20. The six things that are important for leaving a godly legacy that others can follow are these. Number one, be encouraging. Number two, make wise decisions. Number three, influence people while you're with them. Number four, be known for faithfulness. Number five, overcome challenges to finish well. And number six, guard against heresy. All of these are in Acts chapter 20. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Number one, how may we leave a godly legacy for others to follow? Be encouraging. In Acts chapter 20, verses 1 to 2, we read this. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And finally arrived in Greece. The most memorable people are the people who encouraged us just when we needed it. I was very discouraged I was feeling stress and pressure as a young pastor of a very large church. And I was working on my notes in preparation for a strategic leadership meeting the next day. I was all alone, so I thought. But then there was a knock at the door. And in came my friend Ray, Ray Mitch. And he had supper in the form of McDonald's. And he said, I just want to encourage you. How's it going? And I told him some of my struggles, and he pointed out a few things that I might modify. And you know what? That meant so much to me that he should bring me dinner and that he should just be there to encourage me. I didn't think anyone was going to find me late at night on a Saturday um, for this meeting. So thank the Lord for Ray Mitch. I remember him because he encouraged me. You see, encouragement is speaking to another person's fears. When a person is struggling with fear or doubt or discouragement, and you say a word that ministers to them in their low point, it breathes courage into their hearts. That's what encouragement is. Have you ever been to a memorial service where they share memories of the loved one who has gone on to be with the Lord? Well, many times the memories that they have are the times that person gave the shirt off the, their back and was willing to do any fit thing for you. You know that kind of testimony? That's the kind of person you want to be. But more than that, you want to be a spiritual encourager, someone who strengthens people spiritually. Ask them, how's it doing with your soul? You know, what devotional tools are you using and how might I? help you or suggest some that I have been using that, that I have found uh, helpful. Let me tell you about how God's answering prayer. You see, we need to spiritually encourage one another. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Encourage one another as long as it's called today, so that the deceitfulness of sin might not harden your heart. That's Hebrews three thirteen. You see, our hearts tend to harden. We tend to uh, become brittle. We become uh, reactionary. We become uh, set in our ways. We, we, our hearts wander away from the Lord and, and don't uh, remain responsive and as loving with our first love towards the Lord. And that's why we need to encourage one another. When? As long as it's called today. Today. So every day, we need to encourage one another spiritually so that our hearts may not become hardened, that we may not develop a plaque in our hearts and a hardening of our arteries, our spiritual arteries. We need to encourage each other. And the person who encourages you is a person that's remembered. And if you encourage others, you will leave a godly legacy that others can follow. Secondly, make wise decisions. In Acts 20, verse 3, because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. This is the Apostle Paul, and he had heard wind of an assassination plot against his life. So being a wise man, instead of continuing with the itinerary that he had set where they would catch him and kill him, he went another way. Remember, the wise men were told by King Herod, tell us when you find the king of the Jews that I may go and worship him. But warned in the spirit, they went home by another route. And so we are not to be foolish. We're not to throw ourselves in the path of danger. If there's a wise step to take, if there's a better way to do something, if there's a way that avoids uh, unnecessary risk, we'll take it. Make wise decisions. Also, in chapter 20, verse 16, we read this: Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So again, twice in our chapter, we have Paul making a decision, and that decision being underscored as a wise decision. He could have spent time in Ephesus. He had already been there for three years, and uh, yet he didn't want to go there because he knew if he was going to be there, it would eat up all of his time, and he'd never make it to the mother church in Jerusalem in time. And he was a man on a schedule who was trying to follow what God had for him. Sometimes you have the good that's outweighed by the best. You have the good, the better, and the best, and you have to make a wise decision. What's good, what's better, and what's best in this situation? So it would have been good for him to be in Ephesus with Christian brothers and sisters, but it would be best for him to be with Christian leaders in Jerusalem. Make wise decisions. Every time our kids were going to go out of the house, Shirley would say to them, Make wise decisions. And you know, when you look back on your life, you're thankful for the wise decisions that you made because they put you where you are today. Had you made foolish decisions, you'd be in a different place. And let's face it, there have been mistakes we've made. We have made foolish decisions. Praise God for his grace and mercy and love that he works that into the script and helps us in spite of those decisions, to experience healing and restoration and blessing in our lives. So it's not too late to repent from foolish decisions and start making wise decisions. We see, thirdly, if we want to leave a godly legacy that others can follow, we're to influence people while we're with them. Now, this particular section reminds me of a joke. And I'm only going to tell you this joke because we have a lot of barbers in our congregation. People who used to uh, cut hair for a living. Uh, Bob Glines, our church chairman, was a barber. And he's doing security today. And then Dell Reimer was a barber. And we have John Ridge, who's presently a barber. So we have three barbers in our congregation. Well, a man came to church, and he got up in the middle of the sermon and left. And uh, the next Sunday, the pastor asked him, "Uh, how come you left in the middle of my sermon? He said, I needed to go get a haircut. And uh, the pastor says, well, why couldn't you gotten a haircut before you came to church? He says, I didn't need one then. So some sermons are very long. And they go on and on and on. And such was the case of Paul. It says in Acts 20, verses 7 to 12, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and, because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Now, I don't want to focus on the negative in terms of length of a sermon, I want to focus on the positive, which is Paul is saying, look guys, I'm only with you until tomorrow. And I need to really ground you in doctrine and uh, tell you what's most important about the faith. I have a lot to share with you. This is going to be a marathon seminar and it's going to go all night. So please stay with me because I only have this certain length of time that I'm with you before I have to go. And the point here is we need to influence people while we are with them. The person you can influence the most is the person that you're closest to. When you're far away, you can't influence that person very much. When you don't have a close relationship, you can't influence that person much. But when you're with somebody and you're living the life and you're sharing the word and You are ministering to them. You have great influence in their lives. And we are to minister to people and influence people while we're with them. If you continue in this uh, set of verses, 7 to 12, it goes on to say that there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on when he was sound asleep he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead paul went down threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him don't be alarmed he said he's alive then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate after talking until daylight he left The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. You can see that Paul influenced these people while he was with them. Eutychus fell asleep in the middle of the sermon, and he fell out the third story window, and he was killed upon impact. And yet Paul did a miracle not unlike Elisha, laying upon him and praying that God would restore his spirit into his body and praise be to God. God raised Eutychus from the dead, and he was alive again. The people not only heard the doctrine of the scriptures, they also saw the power of God in miraculous healing, and we pray for that today in our churches, that God may be glorified and God's people may be comforted. The fourth way we can leave a legacy that others can follow that's godly is be known for faithfulness. In Acts 20, verses 18 and 19, Paul says this, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. He says in verses 20 to 21, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to you both Jews and Greeks, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And if you read chapter 20, verses 33 to 35, they say, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. What are we learning About Paul and his faithfulness. Well, back in um, verses 18 and 19, we see that he served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Now, those tears were not because he was persecuted, those tears were tears of compassion because he was committed to loving on these people that they be rooted and grounded in Christ and that they not deviate from the faith. Later, he's going to say, I pled with you with tears day and night, that you would be warned about the wolves who want to teach false doctrine and come among the sheep. So he was a man of great humility, a man of great compassion, and a man of great faithfulness in spite of severe testing, that is, severe persecution and plots, death threats against him. He was faithful in that he preached the word in season and out of season, and he didn't hesitate to preach anything that would be helpful, but he taught both publicly and house to house. And his message was the same all the time. I declared to Jews or Greeks, whatever my audience was, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That's the message. That's the gospel. Turn To God. That's what repentance is. Turning 180 degrees from sin to God. Turn to God in repentance. And have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Billy Graham was known for saying, the Bible says, and you could watch sermons of his from when he was very young to when he was very old, and he was faithful. And that's why he's left such a godly legacy, because of his faithfulness. Now, many of us are not preachers or missionaries, and we don't have a pulpit or a pith helmet. But God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to love him and serve him and shine for him that others can follow our example. Some of you have well-marked Bibles. And when I do a memorial service and I get to use the Bible, that person read I look for the passages that they really marked up good. And I look for any notes in the margins that talk about prayed for somebody or claimed this promise. A well-worn Bible is a great sign of your faithfulness. And that's just one example. Of course, giving is another way. When you give unto the Lord, when you leave in your living trust a gift for the church, your faithfulness lives on and your eternal reward increases in heaven. Praise God for that. The fifth way to leave a godly legacy is overcome challenges to finish well. In Acts 20, verses 22 to 24, Paul said this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Can you imagine that? Many of us want lives of comfort and we want promises that everything's going to be a bed of roses. But you can't have a bed of roses without thorns. You can't have a bowl of cherries without pits. Uh, Paul was realistic. He knew that ahead of him, was nothing but riots and revivals. Yes, people would come to know the Lord, but also people would oppose him. There was spiritual warfare going on. Prison and hardships were facing him. That's what he could be assured of, and yet he was committed. He was determined. He set his jaw to go to Jerusalem anyway, knowing about that. He was committed to overcoming challenges to finish well to stay faithful to the task to the vision the lord had given him how about you when you experience a challenge do you just give up Do you want to just pull the covers over your head and sleep till tomorrow do you eat or watch tv uh, so much that you just really don't participate in life god wants you to pray to spend time in the word to call people up and share with them, be a friend to somebody, encourage somebody, minister to someone in Jesus' name. And even if hardship comes ahead of you, illness or bad news or financial struggles, stay faithful. Don't let these things become a wedge between you and God. May they push you to the bosom of God. You want to become better, not bitter. And... The way to do that is overcome the challenges through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will strengthen you to overcome the challenges in your life. Look at Acts 20, verse 24. Paul said, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was laser-focused on his task, on his mission, and that is to tell people the good news of the gospel, that there is forgiveness of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ, and we receive the righteousness of Christ and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And he stuck to that and was faithful to that, and his goal was to finish the race and complete the task. And one day he's going to write to Timothy, uh, the young pastor, before he gets killed and martyred for his faith, Paul is going to write, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, I have fought the fight, and waiting for me is the crown of righteousness. May the Lord say that to us. Yes, we may fail, we may falter, we may make mistakes, and we we may wander and uh, uh, backslide away from the Lord for periods of time. But you know what? Keep coming back to Him. Your life may not be perfect. All of our lives are not perfect. But may we be known for always wanting to live for the Lord, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord. And may people follow that example. And finally, if you want to leave a godly legacy that others can follow, guard against heresy. When Paul spoke to the Ephesian elders, he just warned them one side and up the other. He said in verses 25 to 32, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again, Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. That is, he faithfully preached and taught the Bible, and uh, he has nothing uh, to be ashamed of. He rightly handled the word. He proclaimed the full message of God's word to them. Again, his faithfulness. But notice it says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So in verses 25 to 32, he goes on to say, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So he's urging the Ephesian elders to do their work of watching over themselves spiritually and watching over the spiritual well-being of the members of the congregation because they are the sheep of the Lord and he's the shepherd of the pasture and he bought them with his own precious blood. We belong to the Lord because we have been purchased by his precious blood. Praise God. But now Paul says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So Paul is saying, you want to finish well? then don't let anyone cut in on you. When he wrote to the Galatians, he said, Who cut in on you? Who tripped you up as you were running the race of faith? You started with the Spirit, and now you're going by the energy of the flesh? Who cut in on you? Who misled you? Who snookered you? God wants us to stay true to him and to his word. And so it's important for us to guard against heresy. To make sure we're not misled by conspiracy theories that are not based on truth. To not be caught up in a mob mentality that tells us that violence is the way to accomplish what we should insist on. That's not of the Lord. Read James chapter 3 that says Peacemakers raise a harvest of righteousness. That's Christ like. So it's important for us to guard against false teaching, against anything that leads us away from Christ-likeness. And my friends, if you will give yourself to these six things, to being encouraging, to making wise decisions, to influencing people while you're with them, to being known for your faithfulness, to overcoming challenges to finish well, and guarding against heresy. People will follow that example of faith. People will give thanks to your Father in heaven for your light that was reflecting His light. People will say, I want to emulate you, this person, because of what, how they resembled Christ. There'll be something about your faith that they'll want to emulate because you lived well. Not perfectly, but in reliance upon the Lord and in asking for his forgiveness and for his grace along the way. Asking him to empower you by the Holy Spirit. Now let's say these are things that you have not been practicing and your legacy right now doesn't look too good. There were two brothers, and they lived horrible lives. And the first one died, and the pastor at the funeral said he was a no-good-for-nothing no good, uh, a no good for nothing, uh, um, terrible person. When the second person was going to die, he asked um, the preacher to say nicer things to him and said, I'll you know, give you more money if you say nicer things about me. And when he died... The preacher said uh, his brother was a a no good for nothing, terrible person, uh, but this guy was uh, not as bad as that. And so uh, you don't want to leave a terrible legacy. You want to leave a good legacy. Uh, Alfred Nobel read his obituary in the newspaper. But it wasn't him who died. It was his brother who died, but they mixed it up and they put his obituary in the newspaper. And it said, Alfred Nobel, known for inventing dynamite, the best way to kill the most number of people. And when he saw that, he said, that's not the legacy I want to leave. And that's when he established the Nobel Peace Prize. And to this day, we think of Nobel with regards to peace, not as an inventor of dynamite. It's not too late to change your legacy. Come to the Lord. Surrender to Him. Repent of your sin. Turn from your wicked ways. Ask the Lord to change you from the inside out. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.